We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. And welcome in. I'm Ryan Recker, filling in the next couple of days on WBEN. I'm really looking forward to it. And I filled in, oh boy, let's see, a couple of weeks ago. Had a great time doing it. And I have to admit a few different things about my life right now. I am kind of like a freelancer. So I've been out of work for the last couple of months and been doing fill-in talk show hosts while I look for another talk show job, a gig somewhere in the United States. And it's been fun because I'm able to do it in my basement. But it also means that since I'm not in the office every day and since I'm not doing a show every day, I'm not constantly bombarding my brain with news for 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I want to tell you that I've learned a few things about me and the news and the news cycle from not being absolutely driven by the headlines. And it has been a little eye-opening for me in a way. It's actually been liberating in a way. I've spent more time with my family. I spend more time doing whatever I want to do, because I'm not worried about, oh, I got to go on. I got to see what this headline is. I got to do this. I got to do that. It's been wonderful. And I don't miss it. One of the things I also realized is that my opinions haven't changed. So when I started doing preparations for this show, I started yesterday looking at different news stories, trying to catch up on some of the big topics in Buffalo. And I was reading the same sites I would normally read and go through the same motions. And I realized I feel exactly the same. It's so strange. It's almost like if you're walking a path and you just walk that straight path and every day that straight path feeds you the exact same thing over and over again and you keep looking at the same things and you see the same things, once in a while you take the path less traveled. It's a little more scenic. But somehow at the end you end up in the same spot. It's like, okay, the path just leads back to the other path. So you could have went straight, you could have went around, but you're still going to end up in the same spot. How much of what we experience today in America is us getting so worried about things and then eventually we end up in the right exact same spot we would have ended up anyway. We get worked up. We get this vitriol, this hatred for our neighbors, our people we don't know. And in the end, did it even matter? (laughs) No, it didn't. Because the country is in the same spot. The city's in the same spot. The state's in the same spot. Everything's in the same spot. Your opinions are in the same spot. Their opinions are in the same spot. So don't worry. We're going to spend time talking about opinionated things over the next couple of hours. We're, we're not going to avoid some of the big topics. Like, for example, next hour, I'm going to welcome in a friend of mine, Brad Young. He's a lawyer, someone I've known a long time, and he does just this, the best job 
analyzing and breaking down complex legal situations, and he does it very pragmatic, and he doesn't blow smoke, which is a great thing. So he'll just tell it like it is. Is this a big deal? Is this not a big deal? Where are the complications? So we'll break down the latest from New York, of course, with the attorney general and with President Trump, with the fraud case and the allegations there. But more important, I started watching a show on Disney Plus called She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, and I thought she is the worst lawyer I've ever seen. So I want to ask him about law in the job of being a lawyer and if she really is the worst lawyer. But again, we're going to have some fun today with that too, but that's next hour. And we'll talk about the teacher walkout in the school board meeting from last night as well. Uh, I wanted to point out I found more time to do things my own way. I started building a website. I've started to try to teach myself artificial intelligence. That has become such a big topic online. People are creating some of the most amazing pieces of art using technology that is driven through artificial intelligence. And you describe what you want, and you try to be as detailed as possible, descriptive, and you try to word it in a way, almost like you're programming the computer to create what is in your mind, and then it does its best job of trying to create something. It's truly remarkable. I created my website. I, I've been meaning to do this for a long time, ryanrecker.com. So I started putting things on there and I thought, you know, all the different things I've done in my career, or maybe some of the things I'm doing right now would be good to have at one central place. Because I spend so little time on social media anymore, that it's probably better to have a spot where I don't have to worry about always checking the social media feeds. So I, I created the website. I started a podcast with my wife. Uh, the podcast is uh, it's called The Hold List. The Hold List. And the idea is my wife reads a lot of books, and she's super smart. And she reads, she tries for 100 books a year. I mean, that's an incredible pace if you think about it. She normally gets between 90 and 100 books over the course of the year, January to December. And I thought, why don't we do book reviews of the book she's reading? This could be a fun thing. I can have some fun because I know the podcast world. She knows the book world. Let's do that. So we created a podcast. It's been fun and creative. And I go back and look at it and say, why wasn't I doing this stuff before? Why was I so occupied thinking I'm going to miss a news story that in the end doesn't even matter? <laughs> I mean, there's, there's important news stories, but there's so much junk that's cycled in with it. And my, I found that my interest has narrowed some over the years, where I used to have this broad interest in learning all the different politics or whatever. You know, when I was younger and trying to get into talk radio, I just loved radio, but I would listen to all the big talk show hosts. Oh, the Sean Hannity's, oh, the Rush Limbaugh's, oh, the, you know, uh, Glenn Beck's, all the giant names in talk radio. And I'd listen to that and I'd think, yeah, they really know what's going on. And then the older I got and the more experienced I became in talk radio, I realized one very important thing. They are so... I'm so just wide in the things that they talk about. It's so broad, their topics of politics and things. A lot of it just has no application to me. I got to narrow this down to the things that are actually noteworthy, the things that are worth looking into. And that's the path I need to start going down. Because ultimately, I don't want to bore myself with all of these different stories that mean nothing all the time. And in your own life, I'm, exp I'm finding that you're probably experiencing something similar to this. So if you are, we're going to have some fun the next couple of hours. I would love for you to uh, join the show. You can call or text 716-803-0930. 716-803-0930 is the number. And like I said before, I, you know, so even though I'm doing the show remotely and I am like here with you right in front of your radio, 
in as you hear me, you can call and communicate. We can do all of this just as you normally would call in into the radio station. So going back to the whole media thing, I had a guest that was going to call in here, but unfortunately he got busy and maybe we'll try again tomorrow, but he's a space guest. I've seen so many great space stories. I, I love space stories. The James Webb Telescope has been looking at the universe. Fantastic photos of the rings of Neptune. Did you even know Neptune had rings? You've probably seen like one photo of Neptune your whole life. It's that big blue planet, you know, just like a gas planet, blue. And there's not much known about it because we haven't spent a lot of time studying it. But the James Webb Telescope could see with such precision the rings around Neptune. It's a weird thing to see. But the other thing is I've seen people argue that the discoveries from this satellite, the telescope in sky, debates if the Big Bang Theory even happens. So for the longest time, scientists, they make it sound like it's all settled. Oh, is everything settled? We know everything. Well, they don't know everything. They find out things that dispute what they think they've already known. So we're going to bring a space expert in, hopefully tomorrow for that. But just, just going back, um, I wanted to point out a few different things that I noticed on CNN. And I also try to study the way media operates. And it's something a lot of people in talk radio will do because they consume a lot of different stories. They read a lot of different news stories. They look at a bunch of different networks to see how they handle certain stories. And you can take the same story, the same news, and the same information that's shared between all of these different news agencies and analyze the way they decide to present that news. If it's a news story of someone they don't like, they may write it in a very slanted way. If it's a news story about someone that's more friendly to them and their audience, then they might be very, uh, you know, comp not necessarily complimentary, but they're not going to be as harsh on the person. Or if they decide on covering it at all, maybe they really like them and their cause and they decide to skip it altogether because they want to stay in good graces with that politician or that uh, leader or that person with a lot of money or who knows what the motivations are in some of these different newsrooms. And for the longest time, you had a pretty big divide between a Fox News and an MSNBC and a CNN. And there's all of these different news organizations that are strictly on websites right now. So we're not even talking about those right now. And historically speaking, Fox News has always been looked at as right wing. CNN and MSNBC left wing, far left more for MSNBC. But CNN has always tried to give the impression that they're in the middle. And that is just a... There's nothing true about that whatsoever. That's a it's a huge fallacy in that argument that they are actually a centric type of news station. And I think most people understand and recognize that. And then over the last couple of months, we've realized that they even started to wake up to this idea. And they said to themselves, you know what? We need to start moving back to the center by default, arguing that, well, maybe we are not there. Going back to the 90s, CNN was the authority. You were watching at night the live feed from Baghdad. You better believe it. If you were alive and watching cable news in the 90s, live, grainy, night vision video of Baghdad was as good as it got. And then how about this? On top of it, who didn't watch Larry King live every night? When he launched his talk show, it was the greatest thing ever. I, uh, seriously. I go back and I wonder, why don't they rebroadcast old Larry King interviews on some sort of streaming website? I would watch that nonstop. Honestly, I would. They have Johnny Carson reruns that they put on whatever, Freebie or Hulu or I don't know, one of the, the, the Pluto, one of those different free streaming sites will do that. And if they had a Larry King site, I would absolutely consume that. 
Larry King leaves the scene. They try to replace him and it doesn't work. All the different talk show hosts at night all have their own motivations and biases. I understand that. You may watch it and agree with their point of view, but I think you watch it with a little bit of reservation, understanding and knowing that even though you agree with them, in some cases, it's a case-by-case basis. If you disagree with them, then you just dismiss them altogether and say, I don't believe anything they say. I fall into that trap as well. That's just, I think, human nature. But when I was watching CNN, something happened today with that network that I thought was so noteworthy that we may have seen something pretty extraordinary happening when it comes to them trying to become the network of Larry King again. If you go to The Hill, this is where I saw this written up. Their anchor, one of their anchors, and I think she mostly covers foreign affairs, uh, Christine Amanpour. She is someone that was meant to sit down with the Iranian president in New York City as they were having different talks at the United Nations General Assembly. When you're CNN, you have contacts. Whoever your producers are, they have a huge Rolodex. I'm 100% sure about that. And they can get things like that done. And they can actually work and get world leaders to sit down, even though there's protests and perhaps revolutionary protests going on in their country. And it makes them look terrible on the national stage because of how oppressive they are not only to different minorities, but to women and to gays and to people that if you want to talk about the way the human rights violations in Iran, you can look no further than some of the different people that have fled that country. And they can tell you about all of the terrible things and maybe even family members who have been murdered or beaten or abused. And just in general, what it's like to live in countries like that is just horrifying. The world leader was going to sit down with CNN, was going to sit down with Amanpour, and it didn't happen. She was sitting there in the chair waiting for him to show up from the United Nations. And one of the representatives from Iran came up and said, hey, um, could you put on this headscarf? Now, one of the big protests that are going on, women are saying that they're oppressed and the government has no business telling them things like, you know, it's criminal not for you to wear a headscarf outside or be be uh, in public without a man present with you like a husband. Or, you know, when you talk about schools or uh, run down the list of ways that people are oppressing Iran and women are right now protesting, burning their headscarves and whatnot. They're saying there's no business for the government to be able to throw me in jail or worse for not wearing one. So. She sits down. She's in New York City. She's not wearing a headscarf. The Iranian president comes in. Well, not actually in, but says, I'm only going to do this, come in and do this interview as if you wear the headscarf. Guess what she decided to do? She said no. She said, right now, women are burning their hijabs and they are being arrested by the morality police. Human rights organizations have been documenting all of the atrocities that go on in this country. I'm not going to play into this. I'm not going to oblige, uh, oblige, excuse me. And she said no. And guess what? The president said, okay, I'm not going to do the interview. She stood her ground and she did the right thing. CNN, I would believe, would celebrate the opportunity to have a world leader because I'm sure that would equate to ratings. Because if you have someone that was planning on asking hard questions and confronting a world leader on the atrocities inside of their own country, 
then the next thing would be the clips would come out from it. CNN would probably air the interview for a week straight because it would have been the best content they would have received. They would have been celebrating this because the other networks would have been talking about it. And you know what? They would have been on the right side here. They would have looked at this and they would have been 100 percent correct, just like all the other news agencies looking at this and saying Iran's a bad place and you don't want to be playing around with human rights violators. And you know what? They had all of this laid out in front of them and all she had to do was put on a headscarf. But she didn't. She said no. She showed some integrity. It makes me wonder if the centric leanings of CNN of the past are starting to write back into that center lane for them to take little tiny steps like this. Really? I don't want to say it confuses me that it's taken them this long to realize it. But maybe if they would have gotten aboard long ago and maybe had a leadership change way long ago to realize they were in the wrong path, then maybe we wouldn't even have to talk about correcting the ship. So I wanted to give credit where credit was due. Good for Amanpour, and I'm glad she decided to do that. Finally, something good out of CNN. When we come back, the teacher walkout in the school board meetings. Let's talk about that, and I will take your calls at 716-803-0930. I'm Ryan Recker, filling in on WBEN. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hi, I'm Ryan Recker, filling in for Tom Bowerly. Now, I'm going to say something that Again, not too popular, but I think teachers are appropriately paid. I, I do. And maybe it's just because I work in a field of radio where pretty much everyone is underpaid and <laughs> how they work. I don't know if I've met anyone in radio that has started off and said, oh, it was great. When I started off, things were fantastic. I was able to just coast on this. Oh, I had a great job. I was making so much money. I didn't have to worry about eating ramen every day or cans of beans. No, every radio story of any personality I've ever met is a struggle at first, and they eventually get somewhere, or they get out of the field. This is a rough field, and it stinks, and that's just the field we decided to get into. I kind of look at teachers in a similar way, and I don't think they are underpaid. 
And when I hear stories about teachers walking out of school board meetings and negotiating better contracts and things like that, more power to you. That's fine if you want to try to negotiate better pay. But let's look at that pay and let's really try to understand where you're coming from. So this is the baseline of how I look at teacher pay. I look at what my third grade teacher made when she started teaching in 1992. I afterwards, you know, as an adult, um, my favorite teacher was my third grade teacher. She was, abs I mean, the best teacher in the whole wide world. I don't care who your favorite teacher was, she was better. <laughs> and I can argue that, and I would argue that to death. I would take th that to my grave. And she was just uh, so wonderful. And a couple of years ago, she developed a brain tumor. I, you know, I met with her a few times. We've talked to each other. And she lost her life a couple of years ago. But, you know, when, when I would sit down, I would say, man, remember those days? What was that like back then? What were we like as kids? And I asked her, how much money did you make when you started teaching in 1992? She said, oh, I made about $18,500. <laughs> Okay, I'm like, wow, full-time teacher in front of a bunch of kids, 18.5. So based on the calculator, I did the inflation calculation. 1992, if you're making 18.5 in 2022, that same cost would be $39,000. So based on inflation, if it's all things equal, you'd make about 39. So I decided to load up in Buffalo, what is the teacher's salary schedule? If you are hired in, and it says here, new hires start on step two. If all you have is a college degree, a bachelor's degree, they hire you in starting at 39.5. That's exactly where it was back in 1992. I think part of where we are today is we say, man, inflation is out of control. Cost of living is out of control. We can't afford the things that we used to. Just in general, Everything's too expensive. Gas, food, housing, student loans, whatever it is. It's too expensive. The interesting argument here is if you're just trying to keep up with inflation, the cost of a starting salary for a teacher is exactly on track with inflation. I mean, almost to a T. In fact, it might just be a little bit higher. Is that wrong for me to say? I think teachers are appropriately paid as we go into this. And it's not a popular thing always to kind of taboo. You talk about teacher salaries. But when I also look at some of the different teacher structures with the salaries, on the high end, if you have a doctorate and you've worked there for a lot of years, you're making, you know, upwards of 90000 plus a year to be a teacher. And that's if you're in the system a long time. So going into this, let me open up the phone lines. I'd like to hear from you. 716-803-0930, uh, 716-803-0930. Let's talk about the teacher situation and some of the complexities of going into that one. You can find this online right on WBEN's website. You can find it right there, too. So yesterday, there was a Buffalo Public School Board and Education meeting in the evening. Part of the visual that you saw in the video, you can go right to the WBEN website and see it there. But Buffalo teachers stepping out, and I guess supporters stepping out, to show their solidarity that they want a new agreement and they want it sooner than later. From what I understand, they don't want to wait for an outside party to come in to negotiate. They want it in the next couple of weeks. They said that uh, the fact finder that came in to access the contract say they can't negotiate until mid-October, but they say that's not good enough. 
They say they want fair contracts now, trying to push the hand a little bit. And this is where I look at it and say, maybe teachers are being a little too pushy here. Maybe that, is it possible for them to overplay their hand? And I think they are overplaying their hand a little. I don't think it's a bad thing to wait until the negotiator's in to actually talk through that process because that facilitated process seems to be the best way to get both sides to the table in a productive way. But if your productive way is it's my way or the highway, that's how you get strikes. That's how you get people walking out. And ultimately, that's bad for the students. That's really bad for the students. If, if you're a teacher, maybe you're married to a teacher, you can tell me I'm a terrible person for even bringing this up, but it, it seems like anytime you talk about teacher salaries that you're the bad guy if you say, no, I think things are appropriate the way they are. Uh, 716-803-0930. Feel free to give us a call now. Here's a couple of comments also from the website that I found fascinating. There's an 8-year-old girl who attends the public school board, addressed the school board, and said, quote, I was kind of upset the way the teachers walked out like that because if a student walked out of the classroom mad and upset, they would get in trouble for walking out of the classroom when the teacher was speaking. I understand they were mad and upset, but they can't just walk out. End quote. This is so good. How many times have you seen student protests and walkouts that were sanctioned by the school and thought to yourself, no, I, you know, no, just because you guys are upset about something inside of the school, whatever that may be, and it may be something that's completely outside of the realm of that school. It could be something that's going on in the news in a different city or a different state or a different country. And all of a sudden, the students of that school say, we want to organize a protest in solidarity for this one cause, the social justice cause mostly. So we're going to walk out of the school at this time. And there's nothing the school can do about it because we want to show that we exercise our right to protest. And, you know, and a lot of times adults that are old enough will look at that and shake their head. And they're like, really? OK, you're going to walk out of the school because something happened somewhere else that you don't like. OK, in my day, you would all been detentioned. Like you would have been, yeah, go ahead and walk out and come back after school and you can sit in detention for a couple of hours as your punishment. Go ahead. But in today's world, it's like the other way around. In today's world, it's looked at it and say, no, it's the school who is wrong for even raising a concern with students walking out in the middle of a in the middle of a school day. And we've gone through this and a lot of schools have found that there have been effective ways to protest. And they've normally done that in their own way. They've sometimes even gone to school board meetings. Those could be very effective. But if you walk out in the middle of school, it seems like the school's okay with it. But if you have a kid and you walk into a school board meeting and you're upset with the mask mandate that's going on inside of a school district, just going back a couple of years, then all of a sudden you're looked at as a terrible parent for bringing your kid to that. You're looked at as, oh, how dare you have your kid come and protest in front of a government body? Oh, this is terrible. Look at you and abusing your child, bringing them in front of a school board meeting. I do see the hypocrisy and I do see some of the issues with the way that this is. You know, the teachers can walk out and do that thing. And that's fine. Go ahead and, and make that stance. But it doesn't mean that I have to look at it and agree and say this is the right way to do it. Part of the um, issue that you run into is I'm sure there's a lot of needed and necessary changes inside the school system today. I'm not saying that I would want to work for $37,000 if I had a family. I can't. I just can't afford that. I'm sure there's a lot of teachers. But a lot of times, if you're just now getting into the school system, what, you're 21 or 22 years old, if you're coming in at that low rate because you don't have any years of experience, but you just want to be able to get a job, odds are you're not starting a family at 21 
I mean, this isn't 1950 again. If you look at the way couples marry in today's world, you're lucky if they're married by 30 anymore. Like, they, they keep pushing that back and back and back and back. So you're single, no experience outside of college, and you're getting a job outside of college starting at, what, 37 or 38? When I got out of college, I would have loved a $37,000 job. That, that didn't happen. That's not a bad starting wage considering the age. And considering the way that it goes up, the more years that you work, let's say that you're in it for uh, five years. One, two, three, four, five. Now you're making 45 to 47, and that's just with a college degree. Now let's say you're in it 10 years. Now you're making close to 55. Okay, that's not bad. See, I think in a lot of ways, they're starting to lose leverage when you have some of these teachers that are making $70,000 a year, $60,000, $80,000 a year out there protesting. They're not making enough. And you're like, you're a public school teacher. I know you've been here a long time. Yeah, sure. But you're making seventy grand, and you're saying that's not enough? Uh, you see, uh, see, I don't know. And then if you, that's even just with a bachelor's degree. Let's say you, you stayed in, you took other college courses. Now that 75 turns to 85 before you know it, if you're, you know, in a master's degree program. I mean, that's a huge bump up. But uh, either or, I, all I got to say is w whenever there's different contracts, this is where I, I kind of like struggle because I don't mind them trying to be better. Like, I don't mind this collective bargaining in the sense that they want to be able to help everyone. But this is what I found. A lot of times, this is what happens. You find that collective bargaining is there to try to protect those on the higher end without doing anything better for the lower end. So if you're saying, we're, we're going to bargain, and we want better protections for those coming in, maybe some of the same protections as those that have been here for 10 or 15 years or 20 years with seniority. That never happens because in a lot of ways, it's this, it's just trying to protect those that have been there the longest. And that, you know, I see that with a lot of different unions and you think about some of the younger kids getting into the job field today. No wonder they have no um, allegiance to the job that they're in right now. They're like, okay, fine. You know, if I don't got the protections that they have, then I'll see you later. Bye. I'll just go work somewhere else. It doesn't make sense. I um, wanted to point out something else, too, with all of this. The thing that really uh, is the kicker in all this story is the transportation side of it. So as part of the meeting last night, the board voted to pass a pilot program for reimbursing parents to drive their kids to school. The idea is that as a parent, starting in mid-November, you can be reimbursed 62 cents a mile for driving your own child to school. Now, this is what I want to point out about this. <laughs> Number one, you have an obligation to take care of your children. Let it be shelter, food, clothing. You have an obligation for their own benefit for an education. You want to put them in the best situation they can. I get it. And you have an obligation to get them safely to school. In some cases, there's going to be a bus option for you, and you can say that bus option is the safety that I need, and I feel very comfortable with that. Nothing wrong with that whatsoever. There's, there's, there's nothing wrong with bus riders. If they don't offer a bus, it's still your obligation to get your kid to school, period, safely. When they talk about a stipend in order to try to reimburse parents that have to do something they're obligated to do already i look at that and say is that really necessary as in 
you're probably going to spend more money reimbursing parents that are sending in this. Now you have to deal with the accounting and the accountability, checking of the receipts and all of these other things. You're going to have to pay attention to all these other things. You're probably having to hire more people. And if you could hire more people to do those things, you're telling me you can't hire a couple more bus drivers? Or even the money that you're going to be throwing out there to the parents, you're telling me that isn't enough to just hire bus drivers at a higher rate? Can you just say that even though this isn't the most glorious thing to do, I mean, you're only needed in the morning and afternoon, it's not a full-time job and you're working hourly, yeah, it might not be easy to find someone because that's not going to be the type of job that most people want, uh, uh, you know, morning and afternoon, part-time job driving a bus for 15 bucks an hour or whatever. Sure. But now if you're going to be paying parents because you can't afford the upkeep and all these other things for the buses and the drivers, why not just put that money aside that you've already got? And then instead of reimbursing, you just use that as a way to give better incentives to those so they can drive that bus. Or is there a possibility that Maybe the school districts figure out alternative ways to get kids to school. Or how about this? Let's say you start your own carpool, 62 cents a mile. What if you pick up other kids? Like now all of a sudden, can you make money? <laughs> like if you're a parent and you want to pick up your little Johnny's friends and their siblings, and now you got four kids in the car, can you like quadruple that 62 cents per mile times four because you got four kids could this be a money-making racket for some of these different parents see i want to find a way to take advantage of this until they realize just how dumb this is for them to pay it out to begin with i don't think it's a it's smart i mean and it may be pro student but sure but how about this let's let's go even further if you're going to pay for transportation how about you pay for the student schooling if they decide to be homeschooled this is a movement that has been going on across the country same mindset Let's say the teachers are threatening to strike. Let's say they don't want to show up to school, whatever it is. And now the students are optioned to not go to school while the strike settles. We've seen this in large places like Chicago. This could go on for a long period of time. It may be to the point where you don't know the night before if your kid's going to be allowed to go to school. That's like the type of problems you're going to run into. And that's not a, a situation any parent wants to be a part of. Now, let's say the same mindset for the transportation, 62 cents per mile, what if, as a parent, you pull your kid out of school and saying, well, you know, because the schools are overloaded, uh, they can't get the teachers anyway, they've been jamming too many people in there. How about you pay me per hour? So as a homeschool teacher, pay me 15 bucks an hour, I'll homeschool my kid, I'll pull him out of the school system, you don't have to worry about any of this stuff. Uh, I, there have been a lot of different movements across the country to say, you know what, we should be doing exactly that, meaning that you should be able to take your money wherever you want to go. As in, there's a certain amount of tax incentive uh, that goes on to your kid that's paid into the school district, either through uh, local or state or even uh, regional taxes, depending on how these things are situated. Every place has their own way of how they handle school taxes. Some taxes are higher, some are lower. But if you take your kid out, it doesn't mean that you receive any of that benefit. It just means that that benefit doesn't go to the school that they would go to. So instead... If you're going to allocate per kid, why not give that allocation to the parent that may be deciding to homeschool? See, I live in Missouri, and some people have proposed that very thing in Missouri. And I know a lot of other states were keen to the idea because they said this is probably better. And they became more and more open to it during the pandemic because they were tired of their kids sitting on a computer screen all day, not learning. 
because half the school day was the teacher trying to deal with some problem student or troubleshoot some technological flaw. And for the most part, the kids were sitting there waiting for instruction or self-learning that they might have been homeschooled. Uh, they should have just went that process to begin with. And I tell you, it would be very tempting in today's public schools to not exactly know what your kid's going to be confronted with to give them the option to just take them out of that situation and just allow the parent to make that better decision, knowing that, well, maybe this is the right thing to do. And I think more and more states have decided that they want to fund the student and not the school. And ultimately speaking, if you're living in a bad school district, I mean, there's so many of them out there. If you live in an area where the school districts are just, eh, you know, on a scale of A through F, if you're living in a D or an F school zone, you may not want to take your kid there but can't afford to take them to a uh, private school because it's too expensive. This might be a better option for you. Uh, One of the things that they changed here because of this national movement, at least in Missouri, they decided to give a tax credit based on the amount that you pay into private schooling. So essentially... If you pay anything out to do schooling for your student for private school, then when you file your state taxes, you can claim that as a credit up to a certain amount in the next school year. And they use that as kind of a back-ended way to try to reimburse some of these different parents. And guess what you've seen? You've seen students given the opportunity to take themselves out of a bad school, and now they're learning either at a better school, at a better pace, they're bettering themselves, the st- Student is in the driver's seat, and it's working out fantastic. I don't see why moments like this, when you have issues with the Buffalo Public Schools and the school board meetings, stepping out, threatening to strike, why not just say, all right, fine. Uh, We're just going to give the students the opportunity to pick what they would want. If they don't want to be a part of this, if they want to have more options for themselves— You know what? Just like the transportation and the school bus, instead of paying out per mile, we're going to pay out per hour for the student. We're just going to pay a parent to be able to do this on their own. And you know what? I think a lot of people would take that option and they would be wise to consider that. Go further. You know, forget this. Go further on the situation. All right. When we come back, I'm going to bring in a friend of mine. His name is Brad Young. He's a lawyer. And there's a bunch of different legal issues that we need to discuss. Of course, the New York Attorney General, Letitia James, with Donald Trump lawsuit. She-Hulk is a very popular show on Disney Plus right now. It's She-Hulk Attorney at Law. And I watched a couple of episodes, and she's got to be the worst attorney I've ever seen. So I'm going to ask him for his legal take on a fictional world where superheroes exist. And then there's a couple of different cases coming up to the Supreme Court. I wanted him to preview those and maybe get a little idea of what the big ones on the docket coming in this next session will be. So Brad Younger is going to join us in the next hour. I'm Ryan Recker. You can find me online at Ryan Recker on Twitter. I also have a website up and running right now, ryanrecker.com. If you want to go and follow me or find different things that I do on there, I do a YouTube page, I do a podcast, things like that. We'll be right back on News Radio 930 WBEN. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, 
They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.